Well, I hope you're doing well today. You know, here in Ohio, we're seeing the first signs of spring, and it is wonderful. I actually have had a couple days where the sun's been shining, it's been warmer, there are buds coming out on the trees, the crocuses are sticking up their heads, our fields are filled with daffodils. It just feels great. I hope where you are, you're getting some of those signs as well. I know for those of us from the north, these signs of spring can be absolutely so refreshing that it sometimes just feels like a gift from God. Let's pray. Father, we come today to experience you and your presence, and we ask that the ministry of the Holy Spirit would be with us. We come to glorify your name, Jesus. May you, through the Spirit, speak to our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one of the things that I have found, and I have to say I do understand it, is that for many people, some in the church and most people outside of the church, the concept of God being love is little more than words for them. They may have heard that, but most of them, they've been raised in a perspective that God far more delights in wrath, that he looks forward to separating people from him for all eternity, and that somehow that is the character of God, when in fact it is so, so far from it. As a matter of fact, recently I was reading where someone was being critical of the Christian faith, and they basically said that they couldn't believe in a God who would send people to hell. And as I read that, I had two responses. The first one is, yeah, if you frame it that way, I understand. I mean, not any of us wants to see someone go into an eternal separation of God with God that would uh, in any way uh, bring despair to their lives. I, I get that. But that kind of a statement is also a total misunderstanding of the generosity of God, of what God has done in order to draw us into himself, that God longs for us to be in relationship with him and has done everything possible. But let's just start with this, if you will, rather philosophical truth, and that is that God wants to experience with us perfect love. And while he may have had the power to force us to love him, in a perfect world, it is a choice that we have. And God wants us to freely choose into him. And the idea that he could have created a world where people would never have sinned, where everyone chooses God, everyone loves God, may sound to us as preferable, but in the long run, it is not the best of all possible worlds. In the best of all possible worlds, there is this choice that we have. And because of choice, we see all the way back to Adam and Eve, we have chosen away from God. But, but the power of the gospel of Christ, which I think portrays the relentless love of God, can be seen in the fact that God does everything possible to woo us back to himself. I mean, if you're familiar with scripture at all, you even see that in the garden when the fall occurred and where Adam and Eve chose against God, 
you see God immediately begins to pursue them. Where are you? And then when they talk about their own nakedness, it's God who clothes them. And there's even a degree to which them being commanded to step out of the garden was an act of love. But as we begin to look through Scripture, we see this this pursuing of God because He so longs to be in relationship with all of His children. And it's a posture that is really, in some ways, hard to wrap our heads around. God wants a reciprocal love. But the fact of the matter is, He goes way, way overboard to love us than we could ever respond in kind. But this idea of God taking some pleasure in punishment and separation, it's so contrary to what we learn in Scripture. This Scripture, I think, is a very important one for us to at least consider today. It's the Apostle Paul writing in chapter 2 of the book of Romans, and he's talking about the fact that people need to understand the kindness and generosity of God. And he says, do you show contempt for the riches of God's kindness? his forbearance and his patience, don't you realize that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Now, remember, repentance is this notion of coming home to God, being in his embrace again, choosing in our wandering to go back, not being forced to go back, but choosing to go back to God and his love, and his generosity. And what the scripture is saying here is it's God's kindness, his patience, his forbearance that actually leads to that. It's not him frightening us with hell. It's not him warning us about wrath. It's about him compelling us to choose to come home to the house of love, and that he's kind, that he is forbearing, and that he's patient to bring us back into his arms. It's, it's in 2 Peter that we see another scripture that really pretty much says the exact same thing. Because the writer there is talking about God's patience. And, and he says this in, in 2 Peter chapter 3. Dear friends, with, with the Lord, a thousand years, they're like a day. The Lord's not slow in keeping his promise. He's patient. He's patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to repent, which means to come home to the house of love. This is God's desire. This is, if you will, the plan that God put into place that once there was a choice out of his will, God began to put into place a journey for us to come back into the house of love. And that journey, of course, involves the gospel of Christ. It isn't about us keeping rules. It isn't about us earning favor. It's about us accepting the gift of Jesus. That's what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 3, that, yeah, we all stumble. We all make mistakes. But God has provided a way that we can be in his house of love, and it comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And we are free to choose and to say, no, I'm not interested. But one thing we need to know is that God is adamant 
that we understand that message and know that he is pursuing us in his love. This is what the Song of Solomon is about, is the the lover pursuing the beloved, doing everything possible to be united with the one that he loves. And of course, there are all those passages that we've talked about before in Luke 15, lost coins, lost sheep, lost son, and the energy that God is displaying there in these parables of his desire to seek after the teaching of Jesus when he said, I've come to seek and to save the lost. He's looking for people, wanting them to see his glory and to taste of his kindness, patience, and love. Isn't this the very heart of what John 3.16 is about? For God so loved the world that he sent his son. So here, here we have someone that writes this little article and they have this, this portrait of God, which certainly doesn't come from what I'm talking about here in scripture, that he somehow takes pleasure in letting people perish. And this person says, I couldn't believe in such a God. Well, I, I don't know that I could believe in such a God either, but I'm not sure they understand the degree to which that caricature is not the true character of God. Now, just think of this. To what extent did God go to demonstrate his desire to bring all people home to the house of love? Well, the son was tortured. The son died. So when someone suggests that God takes pleasure, it's, it's so not true as the way scripture portrays it, that God is doing everything, even to the point of suffering and dying on a cross, in order that by faith, we can be united to him, we can be saved in him, and we can be nestled in the arms of his everlasting love. There's no way that scripture portrays in my mind through Jesus a, a picture of delighting in this separation. God warns against the separation because if someone chooses away from God, an eternity away from God is an eternity away from everything good. And it's not something God has created. It's the absence of good that makes this separation such a torture. And God says, let me do everything possible so that you don't have to go there while maintaining the best of all creations where individuals still have the right to choose. Now, there was this other thought that I had when I read this article, and the thought was, if a person really is concerned about the idea that some people may spend an eternity separated from God and all that is good, what are they doing about it? And what I mean by that is God has made a way, and the only thing he's asked is, let's share that with other people. Let's make sure they've heard this good news. Let's be the beautiful feet on the mountains that bring the good news of Jesus Christ to people. You see, God's gone to the furthest extent to show his kindness and his forbearance and his patience and his love 
to draw people into his embrace that have wandered away and chosen against him. Again, even to the point of the cross. That's how serious God is about no one perishing, not willing that even one would perish. And that's the message of the gospel that we need to share. And so if you will, this news is unbelievably good. And we are to be the bearers of that news. To let people know what the true nature of God's redeeming love is and that there's a seat at the table for everyone to be reconciled to God, to come back into his embrace. And it comes by faith in Jesus and what Christ has done. It's not about our performance. It's about faith in Christ's performance. Isn't the good news just great news? Let's hold it. Let's be grateful for it. Let's share it. Let's participate in the whole world hearing it. For God desires that none be separated from him.